With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn... You know, I'm like the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Clint Malarczyk. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the UNLV Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to another episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I am Mark Warner along with Lisa. And today we're going to be joined by a special guest, friend of the show, J.D. Styles of Cali Sports News, NHL Director of Content over there. Um, always a good time talking with Jeff. Dana Lane's coming in a little bit later after that. Break down all of the uh, numbers and notes from the Stanley Cup final. Uh, let me bring in Chris. Good day to you, sir. Good day to you, sir. It is a nice day out here. It's starting to it's starting to be spring. We're uh, about we're gonna hit ninety six today, so springtime in oh. Vegas. <laughs> uh, wow. Yep, that's that's it. That's our that's our deal out here. We're uh, spring is officially upon us. Absolutely. So this is uh you know we got the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, obviously, Game Three tonight, and I you know reading uh. Uh, the different uh, newspapers, if you will, it sounds like this could be a, an eventful week for the Vegas Golden Knights. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Lots, lots going on. We'll get into some of that more with uh, with Dana when when we get him later on in the show about ten fifty Pacific time. Um, they did just sign one kid, ex uh, LA Kings draft pick, I believe Thomas Heike is how you pronounce his name. Yep. Um, I, I think that, that sounds right. Yeah, H-Y-K-A. Sounds, looks like Heike. Sounds like Heike. Must be Heike, yeah. right? Um, he went overseas, exactly. played for a little bit. Probably uh, probably matured a little bit as a player. Um, and we'll see what he can bring. Probably probably be in St. Louis next year. 
or Chicago. I'm sorry. Um, but start starting to fill out the roster. There's been a couple rumors uh, of of some possible deals starting to leak out for the Golden Knights. There was one middle of the week or so where go would leave uh, TVR exposed if we took him, and then agreed to a trade for Marcus Kruger and giving up some picks going the other way. Um, so there's 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 a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff going on with the Golden Knights. Hard to tell what's what's real and what's fact, but uh, well, I, guess uh, I did might, read might that. Go I, ahead. Yeah, I did read that George McPhee was quoted in saying that he was hoping he could announce some deals this coming week, and it sounded right. like uh, acquiring draft picks um, kind of situation. And I, I would imagine that McPhee. Uh, is going to be very protective of as many picks as he can, as he can get. Uh, if he's going to be trading any to get an, uh, uh, an established player, uh, he must be doing, you know, four or five other deals to get picks. So uh, he, he wants to, you know, you got to remember something. They, you know, all, you know, all these different teams, your team, the Kings, my team, the Islanders, you know, you have the NHL roster, you have an AHL roster. You have numerous kids in your prospect pipeline, uh, you know, playing in, in, in Canada, playing in Europe, playing in Russia. You know, they don't, they don't got anybody. <laughs> and um, <laughs> even after the expansion draft, you know, they're going to have basically, you know, right now they, they're going to have seven uh, draft prospects, if you will. Now, I'm sure it will wind up being more than that after all these deals he makes. But my point being is all these other teams, they they probably have about I'm just going to spitball here I don't know 30 kids in their prospect pipeline you know uh, and the, so they need to get as many draft picks as they can get that makes sense uh, so I, I expect him to be wheeling and dealing. Yeah, well, it, it's I think Pierre LeBron said it could be the busiest uh, two and a half three weeks in the history of the NHL. So. Um, sit back, buckle your buckle your seat, and get your popcorn ready, as as they say. Um, gonna be gonna be a busy time. We might have to break in and do do a couple midweek shows just to uh, keep everybody up to date. We'll see how things go. Um, but I, 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 I see. You, I don't know how you feel, my friend. But uh, real quick, want to get your take. I've read a lot a lot of rumors of teams trying to trade McPhee. You know, uh, salary cap bad salary cap contract and I have to see that to believe it. I don't, I don't believe it's one iota unless he just got a, 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 a uh, treasure no. trove of picks and prospects back. I, I don't see it. No, I don't. Uh, that was from everything that he said. And, and if you back in, in what he did with Washington, um, that's, that's would be outside the box. If you will, <laughs> that would be, totally against what I, I feel and I think most others feel is going to be his philosophy to build the team. I don't, I don't see it. Like you said, unless, unless there's some kind of something that's uh, a game changer, if you will, I, I think yeah. we can expect, I think we can expect picks and prospects and not too much of that. Let me, let me trade for uh Pavel Datsuk. <laughs> I think I think the Coyotes have Datsuk right. and Pronger on their roster, and it's like eleven million dollars. They come off. They come off. Uh, they come, they do they come off, do they come off finally this year? Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, they I do. don't see. 
That's that's unfortunate. Uh, losing Pronger is really gonna gonna hurt that decor in, in Arizona, <laughs> um, and and with Datsuk, you know, that's a real hit to the forward core out there. Um, you know that I, I I've said before. I think these things are a joke. I really, 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 really don't think that George McPhee has any interest in doing something like that. Talking with him and just seeing, see, you know, paying attention to what's going on. I don't. Uh, I'm not buying those reports at all. Well, I see JD Styles is on the line a little bit early. I'm gonna go ahead and bring in JD. I don't know what his time okay. constraints are. Um, okay. Let me let me rock and roll. Hey Jeff, is that you, buddy? Oh, it's me, and finally JD Styles, aka me, is back on the Vegas <laughs> Hockey Podcast. Thanks for having it's about me back, time, guys. Buddy. It's about time for those oh, of you yeah. who don't know. You can. You can follow uh, Jeff on Twitter at JD underscore Styles, S-T-Y-L-Z. He is the NHL content director for CaliSportsNews.com, credentialed member at last year's Stanley Cup final, and and, uh, all things Kings hockey, too. If you want to go and listen to his podcast during the season, he does a post-game show for all the LA Kings road games. Road, it's still at the at road rules talk or, or tell them where to find your podcast, Jeff. Yeah, you can find it on Block Talk Radio. It's Ellie King's Road Talk Radio, which I also heavily advertise on my Facebook page and Twitter at JD Styles underscore. But also uh, uh, on Twitter, we're at <laughs> King's Road Talk. So you can find us on Twitter as well. I don't think I'm ever going to get your Twitter handle right. I put the underscore in the wrong place. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what it is, man. I apologize. Quick little well, story. Sir, yeah. Quick little story about that, Mark and Chris. By the way, Chris, how you doing? I'm doing good, buddy. It's great to hear you back on the show. Great, great to talk to both of you guys. Uh, JD Styles, the reason why um, it's spelled the way that it's spelled and there's an underscore at the end was not by choice, but when I first actually got on Twitter, see, JD Styles was my stage name back in my musician days when I had a band. And for whatever reason, I just there got go. JD, obviously, my initials. They added the Styles with a Z at the end. So when I finally went on Twitter trying to figure out what this hoopla of this Twitter and these tweet things are about many years ago, I actually tried to get at JD Styles. Simple as that. And I could not. There were so many JD Styles already. So I thought I was being creative with the whole JD Styles thing. So I added an underscore because Mark, as a longtime LA Kings fan, if you remember the Chevy logo Gretzky Robotite era um, of course. Uh, logo of the LA Kings, there was that little line at the end of Kings where it looks like the letters were skating on ice. That's where right, I got the idea right. of the underscore. <laughs> so it's JD Styles okay. slided on the ice. I got it from the Kings from the Chevy logo era. So there you go. All right. All right. That's uh, that's not bad. That's not bad. Um, what's, uh, <laughs> what's your, what's your take on the, on the final so far? It's been, um, I mean, if you could erase, let's say 15 minutes of yeah. hockey, would you think the Preds were the better team? I think the Preds are the better team. Period. But it, uh, but here here's the thing. Here's the thing. I've been like I've been finding these Stanley Cup finals um, 
bizarre but super entertaining and interesting, which is why I love hockey and why I love right. the Stanley Cup. Because really, even if you look at the stats, like if you look at the actual stats from shots and face-offs and hits and puck possession, uh, Nashville's destroying and overwhelming Pittsburgh. But then you look at the final score and who's leading in the series, and it's like Nashville's not even in the series. And that's what I love about hockey because you never truly know what's going to happen. But I think Nashville has been overall technically the better team they have been outplaying Pittsburgh minus like you said 15 minutes or whatever the case may be in certain parts of games they've been out shooting out puck possessing uh they weren't as good in the face-off circle in game one but they got they, they took that away from Pittsburgh in game two they they're out hitting yet Pittsburgh are just being so super patient and opportunistic and you can tell that's probably based on their Stanley Cup experience, including all their young guys who were rookies last year, but got that experience of going to the Stanley Cup and winning. You can totally see their experience uh, overwhelming Nashville, even though Nashville's attacking as best as they can. But Pittsburgh, one thing Pittsburgh definitely does have, besides patience and being uh, opportunistic, is better goaltending because two-time, two-time rookie sensation, Matt Murray. <laughs> and I say two-time because in one of those Ken Dryden, Patrick Raw technicalities where as a rookie – they didn't play enough games in regular season, so they weren't count- that wasn't counted as a rookie season, yet they led their team in the playoffs to the Stanley Cup. Matt Murray this year technically is a rookie, so and now he's a rookie sensation again in the Stanley Cup final for the second year in a row, has completely outplayed Peke Rene. And Peke Rene, and if you guys remember, uh, the last time I was on the show, my sleeper playoff surprise pick was, was the Nashville Predators. And I remember saying that if Peke Rene can play to the top of his ability, watch out. Because he's lights out. That's right. And he was That's all right. the way all the way to the final. Before the final, he was because he had a ridiculous save percentage of like 950-something, something out of this world. Uh-huh. And then they get to the final, and he's human again. So right now, you know what? Pittsburgh is just experienced. They're opportunistic. Um, they're, they're striking when it matters. Those three goals in game two in the third period, what was it three goals in three minutes and 30 seconds? And all of them were from defensive turnovers from Nashville. All of them were odd man rushes. All of them is like Rene, or at least two of them, was Rene giving up bad rebounds, one huge, one small. And, and Rennie's been springing these little leaks where he even, even when he should have the puck, it squeaks into the net uh, anyways. So, uh, uh, so right now, I'm saying Nashville, yeah, isn't it? And yeah. overall, Nashville, win. I think overall is the better team. But Pittsburgh is doing with what they have. And uh, they're just showing that experience does matter in the Stanley Cup final. So oh, bizarre, but super entertaining. Well, we were doing last week's show, and I want to get Chris's take on this. And and, and Chris said the two things that he thought were going to be um, tipping the scales towards the Penguins, if you will, were the, the experience factor and also special teams. Chris, can you what, – what effect has special teams had on this series so far? Well, I've been really impressed with the Predators' penalty kill. It feels like at times – watching uh, the first two games, they're the ones with the extra man when they've been shorthanded. But I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I, I feel like the reason that the Preds are down 2-0, I agree with pretty much everything uh, both you and J.D. said, is, is Pecorine. I was worried about him coming in. He played great in the playoffs other than the game 
Ford Chew against the Ducks and the Blues. Uh, and quite frankly, when game one, Nashville comes back, ties it up, you can't, you cannot give up that fourth goal. Uh, and in, in any Stanley Cup final, but let alone give up a goal like that in a, in a thought... high close game late and, and expect to be a, a team of this caliber, the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, and then in game two, to give up that uh, after a dominant first period late in the period to give up that goal. And then uh, the second goal, uh, J.D. mentioned the rebound control. I mean, uh, you know, it sounds like he's going to start tonight, but the mere fact that LaViolette uh, didn't name his starter and uh, kept it cryptic shows you how disappointed he's in. But uh, I think he's the reason there. I mean, look at Matt Murray. I mean, those first two periods, he he faced an onslaught, and he he found a way. And and Rene has has not. And if he does start tonight, and I can tell you right now, if he gives up a a bad goal and it's one nothing, I wouldn't be surprised if Lavia left both of them. Jeff, what's your take on that? No, no, I agree. And goaltending has been the major difference um, because Matt Murray, uh, as he showed last year, and I really, really, really thought Matt Murray should have won the Conn Smythe Trophy last year, and if not him, Phil Kessel, instead of Sidney Crosby, even though Sid played very well. But I, I, I thought Matt Murray was just so outstanding. And though he wasn't the main guy, because I believe, I could be wrong, you guys can correct me here, uh, because of the first few games of the playoffs, I was still depressed that the Kings didn't make the playoffs, so I missed some of those games because I was so angry at the world of hockey. But uh, I know uh, Theo Fleury was the main guy in this playoff run, and then he gave up a lot of goals in that one game the conference final and it's been Murray's team again but Murray's been making that difference he's stealing games from the Nashville Predators where Peke Rene is giving up games to the Pittsburgh Penguins so I totally agree with what Chris is saying you said Theo Fleury <laughs> did I say Theo Fleury oh yeah, Mark Andre Fleury did. Mark Andre Fleury that's yeah I apologize nice I apologize Mark, Mark that's, that's Andre nice Fleury there, sir. that's a nice yeah, throwback yeah, I like we're, it we're, I like it we're, 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 we're dating ourselves if we, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> old guys. I thought we were. I thought you were going to pull Mark a Andre Fleury. No, I thought you were going to pull a reference <laughs> to a to a Calgary Flame series or something. Maybe the 2004 Cup final against Tampa, right? And then tie in the Daryl Sutter well, technique there. I was waiting for this magical well, puzzle to fall in place on the Theo Fleury reference, and I feel like you didn't. I'll quite tell you exactly there, where that reference came from, Mark. I'll tell and Chris. I'll tell you exactly where that came from. The Kings traded for Jerome McGinley this year, which would have made me very happy if that was back in 2004, 2006, yeah. 2007, because because Jerome McGinley was one player I always wanted to play with the Kings, of course, in his prime. And when I used to play NHL hockey with my old PlayStation 2 back then, I always traded for Aginla. But way before that, in the 90s, when I played the original NHL hockey games on my Sega Genesis, I'm dating myself now for sure, Theo yeah. Fleury was a guy that I always wanted on the Kings. Because, you know, he played for Team Canada just like Aginla, and that's when I could uh, uh, cheer for them. But I always wanted Fleury because I just loved the way he played, how feisty he was. So that's probably where it came from. Or I just made it up to save face. Either way, it's pretty cool. Because Theo Fleury was one hell of a player. Yeah, you know, dude. Go, speaking of those old school games, when uh, I think the '99 version, um, Miro Satan could fill the freaking net from Buffalo on those old games. Oh uh, and, yeah. And no matter no matter what I did, dude, I would trade for for Miro Satan. Um, 
that that guy was a it was a EA Sports superstar for whatever reason. I don't know what it was, but uh, anyway, I digress. I know I digress. this is I know this is off topic, but uh, around that time, I, I'm gonna have to say that also for me, anyways, the biggest superstars in those games was Vladimir Siplikov and Vitaly Yakmanev, who were lights out on my NHL team with the LA Kings. In fantasy, of course, video game world, where in real life, not so much. But uh, Sipokov and Yaknamev were stunning, I have to say. Man, funny with those late L.A. teams when we played those video games that the uh, maybe you kept three or four players on the roster. And uh, <laughs> right. I mean, Great. Everybody else. Yeah, um, that's that's uh, that's a throwback for sure. Any, anyway, Chris, what else? Uh, what else have you got for Jeff? Jeff, so what do you think of um, uh, the fact that now that the series goes to Nashville starting tonight, the next two games, the Predators have been great in this postseason, as we all know, but they've been extra special at home. Uh, what odds do you give them in, in terms of getting uh, getting the home cooking to get this series uh, back level before going back? I think, the, I think they have a great chance. Uh, to take it at home because, you know, I'm going to give lots of uh, props and really like I've been doing it for a couple of years. Like I've always been, I've always been impressed with the Nashville fans or the Smashville fans. And they've obviously really embraced what the Predators have been doing this year. And it, it, maybe it's not a fair comparison. Maybe it is, but it really does. This run by Nashville really does remind me of the run the Kings did back in 1993, where like uh, Southern California, LA, if, if you guys remember how it was back Back then, it was just like it, everyone was hockey crazy, uh, probably for the first time in in the history of that franchise. And with Nashville, the, the fans have been coming, and uh, you know they want to support a team, they want to support a winner, and they've been falling in love with hockey, much like with the Kings in '93. And after '93, of course, the Kings had some horrible teams, but a lot of the fans, it, like it, something was built with that fan base. And I feel the same thing is going to happen with Nashville. They're going to come out. It's going to be electric. They're going to be screwed. Screaming. Plus, you got PK Subban, like, like per, doing a Mark Messier-like prediction that Nashville's guaranteed going to win Game Three. The fans are going to go nuts, and how can that not inspire the Nashville players to, to step it up a notch, to be more opportunistic, to, and trying and scoring in Matt Murray, or to play better defensively, or Rene to stop that puck if he does indeed play today. So uh, Nashville, I think, I think the odds are great. I actually think Nashville might pull one off today. Um, but, you know, like I said before, anything can happen, especially in the Stanley Cup final. But they have a great chance because that crowd is going to be amazing. It's going to be electric. Yeah, they yeah, were showing some know, of I the – I feel like – Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> no, they were showing some say, of the, the pregame – there we go. They were showing some of the pregame prep um, going on. Uh, on the NHL network this morning. And, and it looks like at least the game entertainment staff is going to pull out all the stops. They got an Alan Jackson concert going before, <laughs> before the game. Um, I don't know logistically how that works, but uh, I guess, I guess Mr. Jackson <laughs> is going to come in and rile up the Nashville faithful. I mean, only in Nashville. I love uh, it. So had, I love it. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. I we love had it. Doesn't Fisher it remind on. you of LA with our celebrities? You know, because yeah, one thing absolutely. of that, 
I always thought was awesome is our celebrities coming to the games and supporting the Kings, especially in 2012, 2014. We got Will Ferrell buying, uh, what is it, like in Times Square, one of those screens so he can uh, troll New York Rangers fans by yelling, go Kings, go, at Times Square. Or we have Alyssa Milano, Matthew Perry, and all the regulars, you know. They have Nicole Kidman and her country singing husband. I don't know his name because I don't know country music. Uh, Carrie Underwood, obviously. The, uh, you know, Keith, uh, Keith Urban. And obviously Carrie Underwood because she's married to Mike Fisher. But she's been showing her support. Kelly Clarkson, who I remember from, I think, the original American Idol. Now we're, we're referencing everything today. Uh, she's out there. And yeah, I think it's great. Over. I think they're coming out there. You know, and, and it helps. It brings the fans out. It gets them excited, and it makes them feel united. And that's definitely something we can relate as, uh, well, me and you, Mark, uh, with, uh, as Kings fans because of, there's also that celebrity co- um, connection. And there are celebrities who just show up because that's a fun thing to do. There are celebrities who just – it's something to do. that They do show up because they're all psyched about hockey and they forget about the next year. But there's those hardcore celebrity fans that co- show up every year. The Alyssa Milano's, the Matthew Perry's, now the World Farrells, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz even, and uh, become huge, Ronda Rousey become huge fans. I like that Nashville has that. I think that even gives them an extra push where it's like, wow, we are united. The the country singers, you know, the celebrities of Nashville are with us, and let's do it. I think it's great. I love stuff like that. Well, Alan Jackson is one heck, heck of a songwriter. That's for sure. Go ahead, Chris. Well, I, hold on. I wanted to mention uh, one guy that uh, Jeff left out. Uh, one of my favorite fan images from Kingdom is Al Michaels pulling out his flip phone in 2012. Um, it's like, come on, buddy. We we know we know you can do better than the flip phone, sir. Um, but he's been a season ticket holder for 25 years in L.A. Don't think Mr. Michaels is any sort of a bandwagon fan in L.A. That guy's been there through all of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Go ahead, Chris. Um, the one thing I, I, I want to bring up, uh, it's kind of how I feel like, I, I think for Nashville to win today, they got to they gotta be ahead. Like, they have to play from in front. I feel like, I know they were in the first period of the night, but, I mean, after the first 10 minutes, they need to be up by a couple of goals because I feel like if this is a close game, like J.D. mentioned about how opportunistic and, and basically they know how to win. And, you know, for the players, which – the majority of the team was part of, uh, you know, it's basically roughly the same team as last year. I mean, it is going back from last spring. Uh, I've been a long grind. And I, I you know, it's, don't get me wrong. This team wants to win the Cup so bad. Who doesn't? But I'm not saying a close second, but not that far behind is not just winning the Cup, but then have this series over. So all these guys can go home and lie out in front of the pool uh, for about a month and just kind of rest Hit the, the cottage. time with their, with, with their uh, as Mark likes to say, their beverage of choice and have beverage nobody hit choice. them. Uh, I, 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 you know, they, they, you know, they want to, they, they want to get this done. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but if it's a close game, I, I, I got a feeling Pittsburgh's going to find a way to win it. No, I agree, Chris. I think, I think that Nashville is going to, it's not a series. I'm going to go cliche here. It's not a series till a home team loses. So I think, I think that uh, Nashville's going to get it done at home and we're going to end up with a best of three. But then when you look at that, how can you, how can you look at anybody and say they're going to beat the Penguins four out of five when, when uh, Penguins have, have home ice in that? I don't, it, it's a long way to go. What, what, uh, 
I wanted to get into this because because JD talked about the face-off dot and a couple other matchup situations. And now that now that La Violette has home ice in Nashville, um, what what kind of changes do you expect to see matchup wise? Are they do you think they will keep Subban uh pretty much tailing Malkin? Um, are there any face-off matchups that you think are going to ch- flip, as as you mentioned, JD, uh, that where they kind of got a hold of the dot there in game two? And now that they come home and they get choice, um, do, do you see anything from Laviolette that he can pull strings and get a win out of this club? I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest with you, Mark. I'm not a hundred percent sure what Laviolette's gonna do or what he's gonna change because I haven't been watching that deeply. Where I'm actually thinking about like what Nashville can do to change besides Rennie actually making some saves and not giving up those rebounds. Um, but you know what Nashville did improve in the second game in the faceoff dot, and if I remember correctly, it was like fifty-seven percent in, in game one. That's a huge change because they were smoked by Pittsburgh in in the dot circle. So. It actually was working in Nashville's favor in game two. And if LaViolette decides to switch somebody or change things or whatever, it could affect the progress that they did actually make in the second game. So I don't know. So 100% I'm not sure. But I I love to hear what Chris says about that. I know Chris would have a a better answer than I did right there. Yeah, what I noticed is in the first couple of games is whenever the third pairing of the Nashville D got out there, uh, Mike Sullivan put out, you know, the Crosby unit, and, and that was some scary moments. So I, I think you got to really focus on that deep pair, uh, in, in terms of uh, trying to neutralize, if you will, or contain as much as possible that uh, those high-powered uh, Pittsburgh lines. All right. Well, since JD is the NHL content director for Cali Sports News, and obviously covers the Kings as a Kings fan. Chris has a couple Kings questions for you before we got to let you go, JD. All right. So, so, so JD, you know, uh, they, they made one very good move assigning Tanner Pearson to a four year deal last month. Um, you know, they have to sign Tyler to Foley was an restricted free agent. Um, obviously we have the expansion draft, uh, you know, I'd be curious if you have a feel on who the Kings going to lose, but, what do you? What does this new regime offseason look like uh, uh, to you? And they have the 11th pick in the draft as well. So, how do you see this offseason for the Kings? Well, here's the thing, Chris. Um, it's a brave new world right now for the Los Angeles Kings, and that's because after 11 years of being, you know, having Dean Lombardi in that administration, and you know, after so many years, you you get a feel, and I know Mark, you guys both agree with me, you get a feel of what a certain GM likes to look for. So we knew what Lombardi liked to look for, uh, whether it's for the entry draft, whether it's for free agents, or et cetera, whatever the case may be. But even though Rob Blake, Mike Fuda, and Luke Robitaille have already been with the organization for years in different capacities, uh, uh, Robitaille and Blake, obviously, Ellie King legend players, but uh, it was Lombardi as the GM, and especially with Daryl Sutter as the coach, who also likes certain type of players, we kind of knew what was going to happen. That's all out the window now. That's completely out the window because we don't even know what type of player Rob Blake is really going to look for when it comes to the entry draft. Um, uh, when it comes to the expansion draft and who they're going to protect, I know before I predicted that maybe Jake Muzzin was going to be left exposed, and I still believe right now that it depends on who George McPhee in Vegas, who they pick 
uh, from the LA Kings is going to determine whether Muzzin or Alec Martinez become expendable as trade bait so the Kings can try to get more offense, but it depends on who they take, who uh, Vegas takes, and therefore how many free cap space the Kings can develop. But um, when it comes to the expansion draft, from what I've been hearing, it's going to be four forwards, four defensemen, and obviously one goalie, which will be Jonathan Quick, that the Kings are going to be saving. And it's going to be Kopitar, who has that no-movement clause anyways, but that's a natural. It's going to be Jeff Carter. It's going to be Tanner Pearson, as you mentioned, just recently signed. And it's going to be RFA Tyler Toffoli, who the Kings are in hopes of re-signing. But from what I'm hearing, they're not close yet because Toffoli already had his bridge year contract. That's 3.25. That just ended. And yes, did not have a very good year, but did have a career year the year before that and is looking to get a raise. And the Kings, everything is up in the year. And for the Kings to know what roster they're going to have this upcoming season, you need some type of domino effect. And it all starts with what they can sign, if they can sign Tyler Toffoli to a cap-friendly contract. And then it depends on who Vegas takes. Um, so that's the four forwards. The four D is going to be Dowdy, obviously Martinez, Muzzin, and I'm hearing Derek Forbert. Um, Kevin Gravel is protected. He's not allowed to be exposed. Same with Paul Ledieu. Same with forwards Adrian Kempe, and I believe also uh, uh, Brzezinski. But uh, Braden McNabb is going to be exposed. He's cheap at 1.7. He's only 26. He's a big guy. Might be someone George McPhee might be interested in if he decides to go in the, in the defensive route. Um, but at, who the Kings probably are going to lose, if it's not McNabb, which might be enticing, then it's going to be someone like a Trevor Lewis or a Nick Dowd who are cheap, but can't, you know, but Trevor Lewis plays 100% with his heart on his sleeve. Uh, he wishes he had the skill of a Yarmar Yager. He plays like he wants to have the skill of a Yarmar Yager. He just doesn't have the skill set of a Yarmar Yager. But damn it, you can't blame him for trying. And with his experience, and he is someone that kids listen to, that people listen to, he is a leader, would be a great pick by Vegas. Um, and I don't think, as we talked about a million times on this show, the Kings would rather have Vegas take a Marion Gabrick or a Dustin Brown where they can get a big cap uh, you know, disappearance off their cap that would help the Kings then decide who they can look at at free agency. But Chris, this is a very complex uh, question to answer because it depends on what Vegas is going to do, and then it depends on what Toffoli will accept, which then defense, and we don't even know what type of players Rob Blake and Food are going to look for when it comes to the draft. And when it comes to the upcoming draft, like a type of guy that Dean Lombardi would look at would be like defenseman Nicholas Haig, who's a defenseman who's six foot six and 212 pounds and was just went to the OHL final, the J Ross Robertson final with two other LA King prospects already in that team. Spencer Watson and defenseman Jacob Movarari used to be Movarari, but he's pulling a Sakara, a Sakara thing on us right now. So now it's Movarari <laughs> as of today. Um, and, but I'm also hearing they might be linked with Owen Tippett, who's a, a right wing, who's six feet, had an amazing playoffs with Mississauga as well. But I'm also hearing it could be Eli uh, Tolvanen. I'm very bad with pronunciations. Who can uh, who can play? Um, he can play left wing, and you know the Kings are always looking for left wingers. But he's not that tall. But but who knows? We won't know what Rob Blake's going to be looking for because we don't have a feel what he's interested in. But it's going to be it's a brave new world. Um, it's going to be it's it's confusing. But we'll have a better picture once the expansion draft and the entry draft are done. 
And if they can find it fully, then we'll know if the Kings can't even make a big move in free agency or trade Muzzin or Martinez for a more offensive player to help the the top six score more goals or even the bottom six score more goals like Denon O'Brien Boyle, hint, hint. So I don't know if that answers your question, but it's just right now so many questions and so little answers. We need the Donimo effect to start, and it all starts with that expansion draft. My last question for you, JD, is if, uh, uh, you know, I've said this to Mark, and my feeling is the Kings are cap-strapped. They have a depth problem on the NHL roster, and they do not have a good prospect pipeline. So given that, what would what makes sense to me is, do you think it's possible a Muzzin or a Martinez, or in the right situation, even a Toffoli, is traded for a three-for-one kind of deal, get youth, uh, young players who can help them now, help them with that cap, help them with that depth, and maybe give them more upside. Is that a possibility? The, what I'm hearing uh, from my sources, which, again, you know, can, can, can be completely wrong, because um, we won't know if it's true until it actually happens. We'll see it if we believe it. And that is a possibility, Chris. But what I'm hearing is like, okay, if Vegas, say, takes uh, Trevor Lewis, that's only $2 million off the cap. Okay, that's, that's not much. And the Kings are cap-strapped. And I don't think we even know really if the cap is going to go up or even go down. I think it depends on the players and what they vote when it comes to the escrow, blah, 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 technicalities. So if, if the cap does go down, that's even going to hurt the Kings even more. And if the cap does go up, I don't even think it's going up that much. It still hurts the Kings either way because they're so cap-strapped. But if, for example, they're, you know, they, can, they, can, they can use a Jake Muzzin, for example, who makes $4 mil a year. That's $4 mil they can take off. And say they throw in, I don't know, man, I don't want to say, I'm not going to say Adrian Kemp here because I would lose my mind if that actually happened. But just yeah, as an don't. example, don't freak, don't freak out, people. But just as an example, if they can throw in somebody else in that trade, uh, then they can, uh, what I'm hearing, they're, they're still looking at guys, even though now it's Rob Lincoln at Lombardi, they're still looking at guys like a Matt Duchesne from Colorado, who's six mil a year, or a Gabriel Landeskog, who's I think at five point something. They just need to create that space. So I, I, I think they're looking for more guys like that. They're looking for guys that are going to make an immediate backup. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, an immediate, uh, an immediate difference offensively right away. Where it seems to be the new game plan of the LA Kings administration is more goals. Even though John Stevens said they're still going to be focusing on the defensive end, but with the young guys already on the team like Paul Ledoux, Forbert, who I believe will be protected in the draft, and as well as Kevin Gravel, that uh, just like in 2012 when Dowdy, Voinov, and Martinez showed that they could play at the NHL level, Jack Johnson became expendable. So yeah, I do actually do believe that Buzz and R. Martinez are going to be shipped out, and but it's going to be... I don't know if it's going to be for depth, because I, I can't call that, because we don't know what type of GM Rob Blake is going to be. But from what I'm hearing, they're just looking for an immediate impact, because they still believe that this core could win the Stanley Cup. They still believe that that window of opportunity is still uh, realistic. So they're looking for guys not old, who were great, like a Le Cavalier, like a, a Jerome McGinley, but guys that are in their prime right now that can make an immediate difference. I'm hearing still Matthew Shane or Gabriel Landis-Cog. Uh, we'll see, but but that's what I'm hearing. Well, there was some news out of the LA Kings camp this week, and we're we're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News here on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. 
and it's always our pleasure aboard. They, uh, there was an assistant coach, and as much as it pains me to say it, Bob Miller's replacement was brought on board. What can you tell us about those two deals? I don't know much about Alex Foss, and that's the guy who is the new play-by-play guy re- uh, replacing Bob Miller. Um, I, okay, you can't again, replace Bob. Me, I, I, what's that? You, there, there's no replacing Bob Miller. There's just taking over. Exactly. Yeah, the torch has been passed to Alex Foss, but never can you replace a legendary Hall of Fame uh, play-by-play commentator broadcaster like Bob Miller, who worked for 44 years and is already in the Hall of Fame. But this is our new guy for the Kings, Alex Foss. I actually don't know much about him, except for what Ellie Kings insider John Rosen ex- explained, as he's very warm. <laughs> so he uh, warmth comes across on screen when listening to his voice, whatever that means. And and he right. he has an, he brings excite he brings ex, he brings excitement uh, to the game with his voice, where it's like okay, sure, cool, I guess that's good. I actually didn't mind the guy uh, who did most of the play by play last year, but his name is escaping me right now. I believe he used to be the play by play guy for the Dallas Stars. And uh, even though uh, no one's gonna no one's gonna replace Bob Miller like in the way that actually replacing Bob Miller as in being as great as he was or even better. Come on, he's a legend. How how did the Kings replace Gretzky once they traded him to St. Louis? No, you, you don't. You know, like <laughs> we're talking about Hall of Famers here, but he's a young guy. He seems to be very. Um, uh, very energetic. So for what I'm hearing, so we'll see. The important thing for me is number one, getting used to not having Bob Miller there with Jim Fox. And sadly, we have been kind of been getting used to it a little bit because Miller, uh, with his with his medical issues, was gone for long periods of time last year and the year before that. So we at least we got it not good, but we got a little taste of the difference of not having Bob there. We just have to get used to this guy. But one of the most important things, number one, is the chemistry he can have with Foxy, with Jim Fox. I think Jim Fox is absolutely amazing as the color commentator, and him and Bob were like Gretzky and Curry. You know, just they were just amazing. They had amazing chemistry together and worked together for over twenty years and obviously uh they were fantastic together so i would like to see if that chemistry is there if it is i'm gonna give this guy a chance i'm gonna you know he's our guy i'm gonna listen to him but uh he has huge 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 shoes to fill now when it comes to when it comes to dave laurie when I think of Dave Lowry, who's now the assistant coach of the LA Kings, the first thing that came to my mind was that Stanley Cup final run by the Florida Panthers in 1996. And then I started thinking of those stupid rubber rats that the fans would throw on the ice, which would delay the game every time Florida scored a goal. And I picture Patrick Raw in net with Colorado in the final, not hiding in the net like everyone else, but standing out there, daring them to hit him with those stupid plastic rats, which they did try to I do. I love the rats. But Dave Laurie was. I love the rats. <laughs> Dave Lowry was, had an amazing playoffs. I remember him being with Ted Lindsay, uh, Melody was Scott Melody was on that team, Tom Fitzgerald, Stu Barnes, and I just remember they right. they just had a run to remember until sadly, you know, they got blo- not blown out, but they, they got swept in four games. The fourth game they did lose in overtime, but uh, that's really what I remember about Dave Lowry. Overall, I don't remember much of him as a player. As a coach, I honestly have not been following his career. So, but I'll give him a chance. You know, uh, the thing is, I'm just 
we haven't really talked about with me anyways on the show, but John Stevens becoming the head coach. At least I don't think we've talked about it. Um, no, and right I am happy. I am happy, but I'm still skeptical about John Stevens. In one way, I think of the Who's classic song, um, uh, Bubba O'Reilly, uh, you know. Same as the old boss. Yeah, same boss. New boss, same boss. Yeah, right. But in the end, he's yeah. totally different personality than like Daryl Sutter was. And of course, he, he Sutter was the boss, and he was doing what Sutter needed as a part of that coaching unit. Now Stevens is the boss, and he has NHL experience. I know he was the head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers and everything like that. And so he, he's been there before. So we'll give him the benefit of the doubt as well. And if he thinks Dave Lowry's going to be his right-hand man, he's going to be perfect as his right-hand man over David's pain, who they let go. And sure, that's great. I'll give him a chance. But just like with John Stevens as a new head coach of the Kings, I'm skeptical, but I'll be open to see what they can provide with the Kings. And if Laurie and Stevens truly can open up the Kings offensively, the pain who the Kings can also bring in. And Kopitar has to freaking rebound this year. Stop having kids. Stop getting married, even though you should if it makes you happy in life. But damn it, Kopitar, it affects your play every time a major personal great event happens to you in your real life, you have a terrible year. <laughs> and we can't blame it on injuries. So uh, we need Kobotar to bounce back. And, uh, you know, what? I think Laurie might be okay. Maybe. Time will tell. Yeah, tough. tough. There's a lot of moving parts in L.A. this offseason. Um, to your point where they still believe that they, their core can win a Stanley Cup, I certainly think that – Let's say Carter, Kopitar, Dowdy, Quick. If you if you call that the core, and then to a lesser extent bring Pearson to Foley, Martinez and Muzzin into the 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 second depth of core on the team, if you, if you will. Um, those parts, I think, I, I think I agree that that is a nice nucleus for a championship team. You do have two all-star centers, an all-world defenseman, and an all-world goaltender. That's that's nice parts. That's nice nice pieces to begin with. But it's very difficult with what the cap is and, and some, some of the stuff that Dean Lombardi left behind um, to fill in as well as Pittsburgh has behind Crosby, Malkin, Kessel, um, the Tang who isn't with us. And then for them to have uh, the luxury of, of Flurry and Flurry and Murray, uh, is that the McFlurry in that? Um, <laughs> I love it. They should win no, the Conn Smythe together. <laughs> if Pittsburgh wins the cup, I think let's split the Conn we'll Smythe just... for the first time ever. <laughs> Give it the give it the Theo Flurry. Let's split it three ways. Mark Andre Flurry, Theo Flurry, and Matt Murray. If if Pittsburgh wins the Stanley Cup, triple big flurry. Yeah, there you go, there you go. But um, I I don't. You know, a lot of that, a lot of that depth on the on the Pittsburgh Penguins is is the homegrown variety, and like Chris mentioned earlier. There's role players in the pipeline. I think Kempe should be first line left wing and leave him there. I I, I don't 
know Steven's coaching philosophy enough to know whether he's a set lines kind of a guy or whether like Sutter, he liked to keep his two guys together and just move the third guy out of in and out and in and out and in and out and in and out um, frequently. Um, but why, why not just leave Kopitar, Kempe and Gabrick on the first line and see what you get for, let's say 25 games, not 25 minutes put that put that unit together on the ice and leave the 70s unit together on the ice Foley's going to get paid Foley's going to get back um and then you know when you get into the depth of that roster that's where the the Nick Shores the Nick Dowds the Andy Andreas that's where it starts to fall off dramatically and I don't see that in other other pub teams in Chicago in Pittsburgh, where there's that much of fall off, um, so I think it's gonna, I think it's going to be real tough for the for the Kings to generate that in one off season. Um, but I, I think those first two lines and and you you just have to roll with them. That's who you got. You can't. Uh, I don't think you can play the the Gabarik is only getting a goal every eight nine games. Put him on the fourth line and think that helps uh-huh. anything. You know what I mean, and right. and then when you bring when you yeah. bring up uh, in, in days of old, when you bring Dwight King up to that first line to replace him, um, mm. then then you know you have a depth issue, and and you're not improving that first line production by bringing Dwight King up. You're punishing Gabrick for a, you know apparent disinterest, lackadaisical play, what have you. Um, but I mean, offensively, we know is is the struggle. And for for me anyway, I'd like to see those those top six players be the top six, leave it alone, let the chemistry happen with the young because I think he is the thirty goal scorer waiting to happen. Um, and and if Gabrick can get in there and get some garbage, um, some rebounds off of the shots, then then I think he can still hit a twenty goal plateau if he's in that position consistently. Then your third line, if you go. Lewis Brown, pick your poison at, at the off wing there. Um, it's, a, it's a struggle for sure. It's a struggle for sure. Um, I think that's going to wrap it up. Dana's going to be joining us here in a couple minutes, J.D., so I'm going to have to let you go, though, sir. I appreciate you taking the time on Saturday. Uh, pre-game with us a little bit here on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. You know you're always welcome, sir. We appreciate every time you come on, and, and you've always been a good friend of the show, sir. So thank you again as we head into the off offseason. Um, we'll be in touch over the summer, uh, breaking down whatever the Kings did. Uh, stuff like that so have a good summer sir we will be in touch and thank you for your contributions this year um always a pleasure to have you on the show sir well no thank you guys mark and chris for bringing me back on the show you guys know just give me the call as long as i don't have work or you know uh, a nice trip planned with the wife as what happened last week people don't know uh, i was asked to be on the show last week and i couldn't do it because I, wa- I wasn't in town but normally you know, you know i love coming on the hockey the biggest hockey podcast and talking uh, any hockey with you guys especially la king's hockey but any hockey it's always an honor and a pleasure guys thank you so much fun as always and i'll talk to you again this summer Okay, thank you, JD, sir. JD, real quick. JD, real quick. Watch for Michael yep, yep. Rasmussen. If he, he's on the board with the 11th pick for the Kings. Okay. Breaking okay. news. Okay, I've heard. 
I to see. I've seen so many different mock drafts where, besides you know the top two, uh, you know Nolan Patrick and Nico. I can never pronounce his last name, but he plays for Halifax. How do you say Hirschier? Hirschier. Like you know, besides those two, Hirschier. Okay, besides those two pretty much B and D top two. Now, whether which one goes number one, who Jersey picks number one has been up for debate, but I've seen so many different uh, mock drafts where yeah. once you get past three, four, it's like players are all over the place. And I've been hearing uh, Rasmussen actually with Vegas. I've heard that of Vegas, uh, oh. George McPhee might be interested in him. I have, I have honestly, I've not heard him linked with the Kings yet, but there's so many mock drafts out there and so many, you know, uh, um, uh, ways you can go with the draft with your prediction. It can really, you can make a billion different ways and it probably still won't end up being yeah. that, but you know, 6.5 centermen. I would love if the Kings picked a guy that big, 200 pounds, uh, uh, to be, to be with the Kings. I would not be against it. If that is who the Kings pick with the 11th spot. Uh, but if they do or not, you know, like I would say, time will tell. But uh, if that is true, if the Kings, if, if that's who Rob Blake picks, I think I'd be happy with that. It'd be nice to get big down the, the middle again with the Kings. I like the Golden Knights angle there just because um, center is going to be one of the hardest positions for them to fill to start with. And and to get a guy that size, he could be – he could. I don't think there's uh, – I'm still doing some analysis on it, but the to – to pull a number one center, uh, you know, a franchise number one out of this is going to be tough. But I think he could end up a, a very solid number two center. Um, like you say, big guy. Um, I, I like that Golden Knights fit. Because really, what are you going to do with him in L.A.? You're going to stick him in Ontario for a few years and, and bury him behind Kopitar and, and Carter? You, you, you probably take, take the defenseman. obviously yes <laughs> take the defenseman yeah right i mean take the defenseman take the winger which is where you know i think nick dow can be a serviceable third liner if and if he continues to and i have seen improvement in his face-off play and it's two-way game um i think he can be a serviceable third liner for that club um i think you can put trevor lewis with dustin brown by the way and sure, has chemistry sure. when played with Dustin Brown, which that's a big up. I I agree. I agree. So I, I don't know if they go with the center at that spot. I think he's probably going to be off the board by then. But you know whose stock has been rising and rising? And I, I've, Cody Glass has been jumping up everybody's draft board for whatever reason. And That's, a, um, that's the guy I think is who Vegas is going to pick. If he's, you know, if he's on the board. Um I've seen him go, and we're going to do our mock draft here shortly, but um, I've seen him go as high as three in some mock drafts. Um, oh, it'll be interesting. Yeah. It'll be interesting either way. J.D., again, thank you so much for taking the time. You can follow J.D. on Twitter at J.D. Styles S-T-Y-L-Z underscore. Um, go to CaliSportsNews.com. Check out all their NHL content. J.D.'s their NHL content editor over there. Um and all of his stuff is linked through his Twitter account. And don't forget, next season, turn into the, the Kings Road Road Talk podcast that J.D. is a frequent host on that show. So, sir, have a great summer. Um, it's been great talking with you, and we'll talk to you down the road. All right. Thanks, guys. Go Kings Go next year. Thanks, J.D. All right. And now let me bring in our weekly 
I'm going to say co-host now. This is such a, a frequent <laughs> trip down the Vegas lane. I'm just going to promote you. Um, we're going to double your existing salary, sir, and we're going to just call you Dana Lane, co-host of the Vegas Hockey Podcast, UNLV Rebel Hockey Play-by-Play Guy, uh, sports handicapper with SBR Sports, uh, all, all, all of the things locally that Dana does for hockey. Um, it, it's our pleasure to have you on the show once again. How are you today, Dana? I I only heard one word, uh, salary. Yeah, we're going to double it, sir. <laughs> oh, geez, thank you. There'll be two Fs for free. That's <laughs> Absolutely. How do you beat that? <laughs> I, I'm looking for the opportunity, and uh, because of the promotion, I'll have to up my game. Uh, your game is strong, sir. The game is strong with this one, Chris. Um, so, hey, man, we got a second player. Um, we got a second player with the Golden Knights before we jump into the uh, into the cup finals. And I want to get into some numbers on tonight's game and the rest of the series. But um, talk a little bit about Thomas Heike. What have you seen? What have you heard? Oh, well, I mean, obviously, it's another uh, another guy that has not hit the ice in the National Hockey League. And, you know, let's be honest. I mean, if this is a year from now, we're not really even – you know, talking about this move, but of course, with uh, every move that the Vegas Knights get in, in anticipation of building the roster, we're we're very excited about. It. I know he's a young kid. Uh, from what all the or all the reports that I I read, he's got pretty good speed. He's uh, got some offensive skills. Uh, he's got good, pretty good hands. But again, uh, how does that translate into the National Hockey League, or probably more likely? How does that translate into the American Hockey League? And I guess we'll see. We'll see. You know, what's going to be exciting is a lot of these guys that, you know, we have never seen on the NHL ice surface, we'll get to see at the evaluation camp in August. So that's, that's right. kind of what I'm, uh, I, I'm really excited to see is, you know, okay, now now you're on the, correct, the, the smaller surface. Now you're going up against uh, guys that are uh, – you know, as good as you, or, or at least the same. And let's see how you can perform at that point. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And then Chris, Chris alluded earlier um, in the show about the uh, George coming coming out earlier this week and saying that uh, by by middle of next week he should be in a position where he can announce some deals. Um, probably has to wait till the season to be over for you know whatever tampering rules that may be in place or whatever, but. Um, are you hearing anything? We did get a rumor that there's uh, some talk between Chicago and and George McPhee regarding uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk and kind of working out some kind of a deal where Marcus Kruger has to be included in that package. Um, are you hearing anything like that coming coming through your sources, sir? Well, there's a couple of, a couple of things. I mean, of course, Chicago was the big heavy rumor earlier, uh, but of course, I think to me, I mean, you're. You're, you're in more of a situation uh, with Anaheim where, you know, they got to make a choice on what they're going to do with, with Silverberg. I mean, you can't move Perry or Getzlaff or Kessler, and you can't move Bieksa. They all have no movements. Um, and, and, of course, you're going to protect. You're, you're probably going to go 8-1-1 on this, so you're going to protect Raquel and Landholm and Botman and probably Fowler. Fowler. So, you know, the odd man out here is Silverberg, and, and I'm, I'm certain that, you know, he would have been the next – protected player if they had uh, another one available. And I'm sure that they don't want to lose him, especially after a, a pretty solid postseason. So, 
you know, you might have a deal with them. Uh, but as far as Chicago is concerned, I mean, you know, look, I, I, are we, I guess it would be between Van Riemsdyk and, and Kruger. I, I mean, I, I might just sit there and say, you know what, we're going to bring a lot of goaltenders in, so we're going to go ahead and take Jeff Glass, and you can do whatever you want with Van Riemsdyk and, and Marcus Kruger. There was a rumor, though, uh, not a rumor. I hate, I don't want to say things as a rumor, uh, but there is a fact that Mark Andre Fleury's wife was in town recently to look at schools and to uh, look at uh, potential homes. So that is an absolute Get out fact, of and, and Get so out that of is. Um, that's very interesting. And, of course, he has not waived his no-movement clause yet, uh, but that is something that uh, has to be done here pretty soon. Well, I will say I've heard you, been, I've heard you uh, pumping the tires on Flurry for, I'm going to say, a good solid three months. Um, I've, I've heard some of your discussions with Brian on that topic. <laughs> you, guys yeah. get, you guys get pretty, pretty warm on that. Um, yeah, <laughs> your position is, yeah, a little, little warm. Um, your position's always been that if you could show you another Stanley Cup winning goaltender, um, if he moves his no wave clause that is available to be taken, um, you'd sure be willing to listen. But as of now, that's that's the only guy that that is going to be out there for the taking. And and why not start the franchise with a goalie like Mark Andre Fleury? Well, listen, man. Here's the thing about Mark Andre Fleury. Aside from all of that, aside from the rings and you know, what he's done with the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's everything that George McPhee says he wants in the player. He's fantastic Correct. in the locker room. He's a, he's a guy that, you know, you can, uh, you can build around, that you want your, your, locker, your young locker room to be around. Um, he's a character guy. He's, you know, he's a family man. He's got, you know, two kids. It, it, everything you ever could want, Mark is. And I, you know, look, I, Matt Murray's come onto the scene and, and been fantastic, uh, but this is a this is a goaltender that's over 150 150 games over 500 in his National Hockey League career. I'm pretty good with Mark coming in and, and being the number one guy here. So if that happens, fantastic. Of course, uh, I and, and with that being said as well, I don't see Mark as a guy that says, well. I'm not waving my no movement because, you know, I'm going to stay here in Pittsburgh and put you in a bad spot and know that you're going to have to either make a deal or get rid of Matt Murray, which just some you know, on paper it says it could happen, but the reality is that just doesn't seem like something. They're going to do everything they can to keep, uh, to keep Matt Murray. So uh, I think he waves his no movement with, uh, with, with knowing that, um, you know, it's it's likely he's going to Vegas. I don't know how many dance partners there are for an apps for a deal. I know Calgary was uh, in the discussion for that. And as far as I'm concerned, that's probably uh, the the uh, the team that's in the forefront for making a deal. Um, but I but from everything I hear, um, I hear that uh, Mark would be you know more than happy to come. And and if his wife is here. Uh, checking and scoping out the scene, then uh, that's, that's telling me he's making preparations to do so. I had not heard that, so that's uh, that's really interesting. Happy wife, happy life, right? If uh, if, exactly you can't get the, if, <laughs> if you can't get the woman on board, um, you might as well forget about it. Um, I'm speaking from 28 years of marriage experience. Happy wife, happy life. So that that's an interesting tidbit there. 
Um, let me let me bring in Chris. He hasn't had a chance to jump in here yet. I know he, we want to get into these Stanley Cup finals with you for a little bit before we got to run, Chris. Hey, Dana. Great to have you back. Uh, hey, Chris. i got two questions for you uh, on Nashville. So give me the yes. biggest reason why you think that this series is going to go back to Pittsburgh all even at two games apiece. Well, I wish you would ask me that question after the game three, and then I could give you more of a reason. But um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure, Chris, if I feel that way. But I'll just yeah, – look, here's the thing. It, this is the simplest form that I could bring this down to when looking at this series. It is Nashville has to be the defending champions four out of the next five games to win yep. the cup. They have to be a team that basically puts three lines out there. Not basically. They put three lines out there, or four lines out there, really, that could put the puck in the back of the net. And, and they're doing the same thing to Nashville that they did to San Jose last year. They're overwhelming them with talent, which is crazy considering the amount of injuries that the, that the Penguins have, have had. But we see, here's the difference between these two teams. We see a, a Latang go down. Well, what does is, what is Mike Sullivan do? Just makes a few adjustments, adds a couple, adds a minute or so to people playing time, you know, gets a little bit more production out of some guys that, you know, may not have as many minutes during the, during the course of the year. But then on the flip side of that, you know, we look at a Ryan Johansson go, going down and, and the effect that it's had on Arvinson, the effect that it's had um, on on the rest of the on the rest of his line, even you know Arvidsson's like a minus five since he's went down, and they've had his line has had one assist since his injury. That's the difference between these two teams. So to say, well, how does Nashville go back to the two? Well, I'll tell you what, the first period is the biggest period, but honestly, of this Pittsburgh has to be feeling good because of the six periods that they have played. The sixth one for the Penguins was their best. And and I think Pittsburgh is going to get ready to roll. And if you, if we come out of this after four games with a sweep, uh, I, I'm not surprised. Well, my second question was, what is your biggest worry uh, for Nashville? Uh, is it Pecorine? Oh, it has to be. I mean, it has to be Pecorine. But I also, my biggest worry is, again, going back to, to that Arvidsson line. I mean, it just... I, I don't think they're the same. I don't, you know, this is, we say this all the time, that the depth is what wins Stanley Cups. Well, it's real easy to see which team has the depth, and it's also real easy to see which goaltender is, is, um, is I, I guess, fresher, if you will, because of Matt Murray's injury. Um, you know, <laughs> for me, it's got to be Pecorino. To me, I, I, you know, Nashville, they can sit there and say, uh, I, that locker room has to say, look, we've outshot them. We've controlled the puck, uh, what, 67, 63% of the time in this series. That's a, that's a, that's a fact. We have held them in check on the power play, and we're still down two to nothing in this series. Now, we, what do we have left? That's what I mean. Nobody's going to say that, but honestly, the, the, the gap between Pittsburgh getting better and where they've been is far greater than what Nashville's gap is. Now, I think Nashville played their best hockey and they're still down 2 nothing. And and Chris alluded to that earlier. We're talking with Dana Lane on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Um, 
where you you could it'd be pretty easy to make the argument that for for large portions of the series so far the predators have been the better team on the ice and the experience factor for pittsburgh to stay patient play their game uh and you know capitalize on their opportunities i mean they went the second period and a large portion of the third period without shots in one of the games still put five on the board gave up a gave up a three nothing lead in in didn't didn't matter at all they scored in the last two two times in the last two minutes when you when your goals against average is five and you've been the better team for large portions of the series it it doesn't bode well for you and and i i said nashville in six and i'm not i'm not jumping off of that i'm gonna I'm go down with the ship but but i said the same thing you said earlier dana no matter what it's it's not a series until the home team loses but when you get, when you break it down to four out of five against Pittsburgh, when two of the last three are going to be in Pittsburgh, that's that's a really tall task to ask of a, a team making its first run this deep into the playoffs. What are the uh, the what are the numbers for tonight's game, sir? Well, Nashville is a favorite, and I will just follow that up by saying that um, you know, I, I if I'm Nashville, I go out and find all the catfish I can, and and perhaps get Garth Brooks. Uh, to sing the national anthem, but uh, the number tonight is Pittsburgh's at plus a dollar seventeen. Nashville's a slight favorite, as they would be at home. Uh, the under is shaded to or the it's shaded to the under five and a half minus a dollar thirty five. So though, that's where I'm at tonight. I'm, I'm on Pittsburgh at plus a dollar seventeen. There are a dollar twenties out there if you shop a little bit, but dollar seventeen is just kind of the predominant number, and then under five and a half minus dollar thirty five. So, so the, the Saturday over. Okay, okay. Um, it's 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 been an over series so far. Um, that that's that's for sure. Um, what well, kind of two went under? Was that the was that the under? Yeah, was game it two six? went under the five and a half. Uh, no, it was it was five and a half. What was well, did they end up yeah, at five one. in the second game? Yeah, four one. Yeah, yeah, four one. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought they hit five in the second game too. Late, maybe not. I'm, I'm okay. I'm off my rocker here for a second. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I'm off my rocker. Oh, they, had a, they, had, a, they had a they had a cold wave. They had a cold That's wave. What, okay. Remember, Mark? They did. They, yes, sir. Yes, sir. They did. That's right. That's when you turned the um, television off. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> the it, it just seems it just seems to me. Uh, Chris said it earlier. They got to play from ahead tonight. They got to, and and it, he also said that if if Pekka gives up a a, a a softy or gives one up in the first ten minutes, um, yeah, that your your odds on the sweep. I, I that first ten minutes could could give me the odds on a sweep to take it at that point in time, regardless of how how well Nashville's been playing. Um. I don't know. There's not much. Yeah, break I mean, <laughs> they, they they have to be up two nothing after the first ten minutes. If it's even if they're up one nothing, Dana, I, I think Pittsburgh is going to find a way to win this game. 
You know, and that's real interesting, too, because, you know, and I, I think if I'm Peter Laviolette, I mean, I, I ride Pecorino no, no matter what. I mean, there's no way that you bring in a Soros who is, you know, 5'11", and, you know, he just does not give you, uh, you know, if I'm Pittsburgh, I'm not looking at Soros thinking I can't beat this guy either. And, you know, it's funny that Laviolette likes to play those games during the week from not naming his goaltender. I, I don't know what that accomplishes. I, I guess that's a... That's a, um, a team-wide thing that they've done all year long with every everybody on the team. But, you know, you have to ride Pecorino. There is no – and and honestly, if, even if they lose this game, I don't think you go to Soros at all. Uh, at all. I think you go down with a uh, goaltender who brought you, and I don't think Pittsburgh cares if it's uh, Pecorino or Soros. I think they're pretty confident with, that they're going to be able to put some pucks in the net and be opportunistic. Um, this is not even – I mean, look, this is a Penguins team that averaged, what, 33 shots a, a game during the regular season. Um, they have – there's so much more potential for them to play better than they have. And I just don't – Yeah, there is. That first period tonight, I'm telling you, that first period tonight, even if it's even, even if it's, yeah, you know, tied, I think Nashville goes in that locker room and just goes, what have we got to do? There's nothing I think they're already there. I, I, th- I think they're already there, Dan. The only, <laughs> the only thing is, is Bridgestone Arena. That's the only thing. For we, sure. That's the only. That's the only bind of hope for Nashville. If they get out and, and you know get out to a two nothing lead, then I think that the the series changes. But if it's tied, and even like you said, even if it's one nothing, and say Pittsburgh is out shooting them, I still think. Uh, Pittsburgh is, is in great shape, and I think they'll feel good about it. And, and not only that, Pittsburgh, listen, first of all, even if Nashville wins this game, Pittsburgh's going to say, okay, well, game one at home, now we're comfortable playing in this environment. There's not going to be any surprises in game four. And I think even if they, they split these two, Pittsburgh's going to win this cup. Yeah. By the way, I've been saying uh, that for yeah. three and a half months. No, I was that was going to be the next phrase out of my mouth that you've been riding Pittsburgh since about January, and uh, there's and you've said it here before. There's no reason for you to come off of that pick, um, but we've all seen these playoff series go like this. You you get the first two games at home, you go on the road. The home the the previously visiting team gets the boost, takes game three, game four turns into the pivotal game of the series. Pittsburgh's going to win that in overtime, go home and win it in game five. That's you know, we've seen these types of playoff series go that exact same pattern time and time again. And it's, it's going to be tough for us to, to, you know, change that pattern in this. Um, we are just about out of time. Chris, do you have anything else for Dana today? Uh, I, I guess, you know, when Dana made his pick, not that I, I didn't, uh, uh, think he was going to be, you know, wrong or anything. The only thing that was holding me back, was the Latang factor. And it is amazing to me, guys, that this team went out their number one defenseman who plays 30 yeah. minutes a night. This is, this is not sure. a team like, like if this is not like Nashville, if they lost Subban, they would still have, you know, Ellis and all those other, you know what I mean? They have, I mean, they're kind of doing it. I don't want to say that with the no name defense, but it is amazing to me that they really haven't skipped the beat. Uh, losing a player of that magnitude on the blue line, I, I don't know. I don't know how many teams else in the NHL could do that, uh, given the structure of the Penguins have. 
Yeah, I just also wanted to add to, I mean, and of course that just goes in, you know, with the depth factor. And I think that, you know, Mike Sullivan, he, he deserves a lot of credit. He, here's a guy that really hasn't experienced losing at all at this level. In fact, he uh, just comes in and wins cups apparently, but you know, I think you've got to give guys, you know, Ian Cole has, you know, he was, he was pretty good last game. I think you've got to give him some credit His with Justin Schultz and, Ole Mata is probably not your ideal defenseman, but I think these guys have elevated their game just enough to be effective. Plus, on top of that, the forwards have come back and, and given them a little help. I mean, they're not looking for that stretch pass up the middle that they're, that they're used to doing, and I think they just made a little bit of adjustment, gave, uh, gave everybody just a little bit more responsibility. And, and this is look, this is an organization that continuously drafts lower um, you know, in the entry draft. And, and you know, you, you talk about here's the difference between what what Washington does and what Pittsburgh does. And even though Pittsburgh has a ton of superstars, which one of those teams are a team? When I look at Washington, I look at Ovechkin. There is no, like you could say probably Kuznetsov or, or whatever you want to say, but really it's Ovechkin. It's not a team. It's Ovechkin's team. And I think that's the difference between the two. And, and honestly, and I think Barry Trotz will probably tell you the same thing, I think he'd be happier if Ovechkin wasn't there. I think they'd be a better team without Ovechkin. And that's not to say Ovechkin isn't a great player. I just think there's too much emphasis on the individual rather than the team. Interesting. Interesting point. Well, we're going to leave it at oh, that, Dana. By the, I gotta... too, by the way, Go too, Cody Glass, our good friend, Steve Carp. Talked to Cody Glass this morning because uh, we've both been on him, you know, since the uh, the Golden Knights it was announced they would pick six. And, and Cody yeah. Glass told Steve Carp today that he would be honored to play for the Vegas Golden Knights. That's a great response. Uh, of course he would. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. That, that's uh, I said he was uh, he was well, actually say rising one thing, up. If he's on, if- if he's on the board when we do our mock draft, and you know who's picking for Vegas. Uh, That's right. Little, little teaser. Little teaser. Yep. No, he's been uh, rising uh, up uh, a uh, lot of people. In terms of our show, in terms of our show in two weeks, our draft show, our yep. mock draft show. Yep. I don't no, disagree I with that. I want to see. I wish we could see these kids' results at the Combine in real time, but I guess they don't announce those until after. But uh, very interested to see. Uh, what how he does, although I don't put too much stock in it because none of this has anything to do with hockey sense or doing anything on the ice. Right, right, right. Well, I'd be interested if Rasmussen is there and Glass, who uh, who they end up going with. It'll be an interesting pick for sure. Anyway, we got to run. I'm out of time, and I got to get on the road here in about – 10 minutes. So Dana, once again, sir, we will talk to you next week. Thank you again for taking your Saturday. Dana's on Pittsburgh plus the 117. Uh, for anybody following the Saturday night special, he's been lights out this season. Um, also looking at the under tonight for a good play as well. Uh, catch Dana weekdays, Monday through Friday from one to two on 1400 AM radio here in Las Vegas for all of your Golden Knights needs, co-hosting with Brian Blessing. Thank you, sir, once again. And uh, I know you'll be watching the game tonight. I'll follow you on Twitter, and, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on as usual. And uh, uh, in about three weeks, we'll have a full team. 
Absolutely. And don't spend all that raise in one place, sir. <laughs> well, I'll have to go and get uh, Golden Knights sock monkeys. That's my next purchase. There you go. There you go. All righty, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. All right. I'll see you guys. All right. As usual, Dana will enjoy just a little bit out of sequence, but um, just as informative as always going down the Vegas lane. Chris, I got to cut this. I got to wrap this up. We pretty much covered right. everything there is to cover in the last uh, hour and 18 minutes. We're here. I've only got uh, about a minute and a half left on this on this timer staring at well, me in the face. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's make sure our listeners have it in their books two weeks from today, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, our big uh, mock uh, NHL amateur draft show. You're the master of ceremonies, myself. Mark Scheich of the Hockey Writers and Zach Devine of the Hockey Writers and Hockey Profits and Gobbler Prospects and Prospects, you know, you name it. Everywhere. Uh, we'll be making the selections <laughs> everywhere. And, uh, you know, and obviously we'll be on next Saturday as well. But uh, that, that's always a fun show to do, and it's uh, one of our most listened shows. And, and go everyone go back and, like you have, and be listening to our mock expansion draft show you can find on Blog Talk Radio. A lot of people listen have been listening to those shows, uh, that show, uh, the last couple of weeks. So uh, we thank you for that. Okay. That's going to do it for this week. Everybody go out, watch some hockey tonight. Enjoy your beverage of choice responsibly. And we will see everybody next week for Chris on Mark. And we're gone. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.